this process, this vision the Lord gave me, he gave me different visions because it takes a manifold way of teaching one thing to reach everybody. Everybody receives differently. People think differently. People are in different levels in the body of Christ in their spiritual walk. So it takes different ways to reach people. So we're going to start with this called the process. Process. Let's define process. It's a system of operations in the production of something. We're going to start with the bottom circle here representing the soul that's so close to the earth. Isaiah 14.9 says, Hell, the place of the dead below, is stirred up to meet you at your coming. Hell, exci hell is excited about your entry. <clears throat> so the lost soul has an eternal destination, and the Bible calls it the place of the dead, the soul that is dead to the relationship to God. The soul is close to the earth. If you can picture these tentacles going down to the earth, it's attached to the earth. Let's go to Proverbs 15, 24. It says, The way of life wins upward for the wise that he may turn from hell below. So notice how the arrows are going up here in this vision, pointing towards heaven, because that's the way of life, is looking up. When you look up, you turn from hell below. Now Proverbs 15:24 says, The path of the wise leads upward to life, that he may avoid the place of the dead. We're going to define what's of the world that we can stay away from. 1 John 2:16 says, for all that is in the world is the lust of the flesh, which is our craving for sensual gratification, and the lust of the eyes, which is greedy longings of the mind, and the pride of life, which is the assurance of one's own resources, or in the stability of earthly things. The Word of God says, these do not come from the Father, but come from the world. So, this lost soul is yielded to the lust of the eye, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life. And the pride of life is assurance of one's own resources and not the resources of heaven. But thank God for Jesus who came to rescue. It says in Matthew 18, 11, Jesus came to save that which was lost. Now, save means rescue. He rescued us from the power of darkness. He delivered us from the power of darkness. Save means to rescue from loss, to rescue and set aside for future use, okay? So now, when you get grafted in, when you get saved, when you get snatched from Satan's power, you are set aside for future use. And what is that future use? To bring forth the kingdom, to make manifest the kingdom of heaven on the earth. It says you are set aside for future use. So that means now you're set aside, you're set apart for the purpose of what? Washing. The word of God washes us of the residue of the fall. So Jesus rescued us from hell below and set us aside into his kingdom for the future use of the kingdom manifestations. But notice, you see the soul is by itself in this vision. How did the soul come into two people? How did the one become two? How did they get separated? Hebrews 4.12 says the word of God is living. The word of God is powerful. The word of God is sharper. Then any two-edged sword, piercing to what? The division of the soul and the spirit, and the joints and the marrow, and the discerner of the intents of the heart. So when Jesus comes in, who is the word of God, comes into the lost soul, he divides 
the spirit that's in the lost soul, it's hidden in the soul. See, when Adam fell, the spirit dove into the soul. It fell into the soul. They became one. When the word of God comes in, it separates the two, sanctifies the spirit with the light of Jesus, the word of God, and the soul gets set over here for the purpose of working out its salvation through the renewing of the mind. So do we understand the division now? This has been so successful for me in reaching the lost and show them what's happening here, that their spirit is dead to God. That's why it's hidden in the soul. But when Jesus comes in, it separates it, connects the spirit back to God, and now you're alive in God. You're walking in his power. You're sensitive to him. You're conscious to him. You're God-centered and not self-centered or self-consciousness anymore. You've changed. So the word of God did that. So now the spirit lives under authority. Your spirit man lives under authority, which is the authority of Jesus Christ. The soul lives under reason. You see, the spirit man is sanctified and set apart for God. It's a system of operations functioning now for communication and fellowship with God through Jesus and for the distribution of the revelation to the soul. The spirit conforms to God's will and purpose. Now, the soul is still unsanctified. It still desires the things of the world. It's not your fault that you desire the things of the world. So the soul, an unsanctified soul, still desires the things of the world. And now what are the things of the world? Lust of the eye, lust of the flesh, and the pride of life. So the soul is still conformed to the world. That's why a lot of people, if they don't get good teaching, you'll lose them because the world has a strong influence, a stronghold on the soul. So the attraction begins between the bride and the bridegroom. The bridegroom's in your spirit. The soul is the bride. We are the bride. Joel 2.16, it says, Let the bridegroom come out from his chamber and the bride from her dressing room. How can we identify what is the dressing room of the bride? What's the first thing that comes to your mind when you say, let's identify what's the dressing room of the bride? The Holy Spirit in the Spirit begins to set the bride apart, and, and that's the dressing room. When the bride is washed in that area, then the bridegroom comes out of his chambers and connects with the bride, and they become one. So the blood of Jesus covers the spirit and the soul with eternal life. So if this, this person didn't get the right teaching and they fall back into the world and they die, you think they're going to hell or going to heaven? Heaven. Jesus cannot deny himself. You're already seated with him in the heavenly places. So what are we cutting ourselves short from by not getting the soul renewed by the word of God? We're missing the kingdom benefits here on earth. We're missing the kingdom life here on earth. We're missing what God gave us dominion on the earth. He said, everything is yours. He said, I've given you the key to everything. And the key to everything is the word of God. When your mind gets renewed, you have the keys to speak what you need into existence. And then when that soul dies and meets Jesus, Jesus says to him, here's your reward. The rewards differ. There's less rewards. There's more rewards. There's higher rewards. It depends on 
how much the mind got renewed because you can't do an effective work in the earth without a renewed mind. That's why the church after 2,000 years is still a baby because nobody zeroed in on renewing the mind. We preach the word, but nowhere in that Bible says the bride's supposed to be preached at. The Bible says sinners are supposed to be preached at. The bride has got to be taught by revelation, by revelatory teaching to change her thinking. Because if the leader has not received the revelation from God to change the thinking of the sheep, they won't get changed. If that word has not become one in the leader, then he won't change anybody. He should not preach what he has not experienced because there will be no life on it. Because life is coming out of these functions into this mind to produce life or death. So when you have a pure river coming up out of your spirit, and it comes through this filter, and this filter is not renewed yet, it's still dirty, still has the residue of Adam's fall, and you preach or teach, then the effectiveness is watered down. It's still going to be effective, but at a measure. And when I say a measure, is because it's still water. I can take dirty water and still get you halfway clean. People wonder why they don't get healings and keep their healings, because the water coming out is dirty. And you're leaving a residue of the fall of Adam in you on that person. But also you're leaving a residue of the Holy Spirit. So you got both deposits. And both powers are going to be attracted to those deposits. The power of God, the Holy Spirit is going to be attracted to that deposit. The power of Satan is going to be attracted to that other deposit. So sickness comes back. Okay, so the blood covers the spirit and the soul for eternal life. The word is salvation giving abundant life here on the earth now you're covered by the blood if you died you'd go to heaven if you're born again if you're not born again you won't get there but the word is for the purpose of obedience unto abundant living in christ god never said you're supposed to be broke busted and disgusted he never said that you'd have to take a vow for poverty he never said that you'd have to live a life of pain Every scripture that I've searched out, it says it's a light affliction. It's but for a moment. That's enough to get excited about right there because most of us have been in pain and a repeat performance of the same thing over and over again, can't seem to get the victory. Well, the victory is the revelation of God, his word, and you hearing it and receiving it. Now, where do you hear the word of God? Your spirit, man, hears it. You have an inner ear. Remember, you have two ears. You have an inner ear that's yielded to Christ. You have an outer ear that's yielded to the elements of the world so we can recognize the witnesses that come to confirm what the inner ear has received so we can move out on the promise. So we hear with our spirit, we receive through the soul, through the mind, through the intellect. That's why I love that verse in Matthew. He says, he who hears the word and receives the word bears fruit, some 30, some 60, some 100 fold. So 2 Corinthians 5, 5 says, now he who has prepared us for this very thing is God, who also has given us the Spirit as a guarantee. So God prepared the attraction between the bridegroom and the bride. He has prepared the attraction and gave us the gift of the Holy Spirit for our success. It's a guarantee. So when Jesus becomes Lord and not just Savior, you will have success. So too many of us just having a Savior right now and not Lord. What am I missing here? I thought he was Lord. The Word of God says he's Savior in your spirit, but he's Lord through a renewed mind because he can only be Lord over his Word. 
he cannot be Lord over your sin. You're Lord over your sin. So he's Lord when the mind is renewed. See, the true success is to be reconciled, spirit, soul, and body to Jesus. We go from obedience to reconciliation. Romans 12, 2 says, Do not be conformed to this world, which is the lust of the eye. Remember, the lust of the flesh, the pride of life. But be transformed, that means changed, by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. No wonder we can't figure things out. The Word is saying until your mind is transformed and renewed by the Word of God, you'll never figure out the will of God. If it doesn't have any substance, it's not the truth. That's why it has to be tested because there's a lot of counterfeits, a lot of counterfeit spirits. But listen to what it's saying. Do not be conformed to the lust of the eye, lust of the flesh, or the pride of life, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that perfect, good, and acceptable will of God. Why didn't he just say all perfect? If the mind is renewed, why didn't he just say it's all perfect? And we, we would know the perfect will of God. Good, acceptable, and perfect. We receive truth. If the mind is only one-third renewed, then we can understand what the good will of God is. And sometimes the good will of God is sometimes his permissive will, that there is some goodness in that because all things work together for the good. So he'll let you go in a direction, which I call his permissive will, not his perfect will, so that he can use it to get something good out of it. What you get good out of it is revelation, more revelation. So listen, the key words in this verse is conform and transform. So to be conformed means to be in compliance with or to bring into agreement. So the agreements is where all the problems are right now. We've come into agreement with seducing spirits. We come into agreement with wrong teachings. We come into agreement with teachings that have not been through revelation, but just been passed down through the generations that might feed your spirit, but doesn't change your mind. So your spirit can get edified by the word of God just like that. Somebody can preach the word whether they know the word or not, and your spirit can get edified. But it's through the revelation of God that changes the person. So conform means to come into agreement. <clears throat> Transform means to change in nature or character. So, so when we come into agreement with God's word, we are coming into a change in nature and character. So we're going to say we're not going to come into agreement with the lust of the eye anymore, lust of the flesh anymore, nor the pride of life anymore, because we're coming into agreement with the spirit of this world, the prince of the air, who is Satan. The Bible says he is the prince of the air. Didn't say he was the prince of the spirit. He said he's the prince of the air. That means the air is the heavens. He's the prince in the second heaven, ruling over the earth. God is in the third heaven. But change your character by coming into agreement with the truth. It's so easy to come into agreement with this word because this word will not fail you. Nowhere in this word says to read this Bible. What's it say? Meditate, meditate, study, ponder. You know, when, when he says that we need to rightly divide the word of truth, how do we rightly divide this word? And what happens when we divide it? If I open up this word and I begin to meditate on one scripture, that scripture will begin to divide. You'll be able to see the division in scripture. And what's happening in that division is the spirit is being released from the word. The water of the word is being released in meditation. Now, when you understand the word is when the water is released. And what's the purpose of the water? Wash the residue, the spots of the fall of Adam, the things that Satan is attracted to, that demonic influence is attracted to to keep you in bondage 
Change begins with hearing the truth. When revelation truth enters the new spirit, we hear it. When we hear a system of operations begins to process the truth for communication and distribution. We should always go back. Whenever we receive, we should always go back to the spirit. Does it bear witness? Whatever we receive with our eyes looking at, whatever we receive with our touch, with our hands, if it's not bearing witness with my spirit, I'm not going there. Because the spirit bears witness with what heaven is in agreement for you. And that spirit, the first witness is who? Holy Spirit. Now, a witness has what? First-hand information, right? So the Holy Spirit has first-hand information about heaven concerning your life. That's why we should live from the inside instead of living from the outside. So intuition and the communion functions operate to communicate the revelation. The conscience receives the revelation for the distribution of, distribution to the unsanctified soul. Now, let's look at the power of agreement. Since we're talking about agreement and conformity, it says in Matthew 18 and 19, Again, I say to you that if two of you agree on earth concerning anything that they ask, it shall be done by the Father in heaven. So listen, as the soul comes into agreement with the truth, that is in the regenerated spirit of, of Jesus, which is your spirit man, and is saying, ask anything, and it will be done for you by the Father in heaven. How many of us are asking and not receiving? What do you think the problem is? No agreement with the word. It says right here, again, I say to you, if two of you agree on earth concerning the Anything that they ask on earth, it will be done for them by the Father in heaven. So by conforming to the word, coming into compliance with the word of God, all we have to do is ask now, and the Father will do it. That means you don't do anything, but ask. Too many of us are make, trying to make things happen, trying to get loans to make things happen, trying to do this to make this happen, make this happen, make this happen. If the devil has stirred you up so much to make something happen, then it's already happening in the spirit realm. God is already working on your behalf. But Satan knows it and sees it, so he wants to bring you into bondage so you can't receive what's already working for you. <clears throat> so when we come into agreement with the word, when the spirit, it says when the two of you, that means there's two men in us. There's a spirit man, the regenerated man, the new man, full of light, full of Jesus, and there's still the old man. He's still there. Look at him. He's still there. He said when the two of you come into agreement with what's in the spirit man, now you can ask anything you want. And my father would do it for you. No. Yeah. Well, when, when <clears throat> the scripture is spirit. All scripture is spirit. And in every scripture, you'll find that God addresses the spirit and addresses the soul in every scripture. You'll find it. See, what's happening on the inside has to happen before anything can happen on the outside. If you try to make something happen on the outside that's not on the inside, it ain't going to happen. It'll be a counterfeit. It'll form itself. It'll look just like what you're asking for, and it'll come your way, and it'll look like what you're asking for, smell like what you're asking for, the same color what you asked for, and then it ends up being a counterfeit. And what do counterfeits do? They leave you. Simple as that. They leave you. If I touched and agree with a lost person, say, let's, let's agree with something heavenly right now, and this person is lost as she can be, and I'm filled with the Spirit, do you think it's going to happen? Don't work. It's got to happen on the inside. That agreement has to happen between the spirit and the soul. There's two men in us. The old man, who Jesus said is crucified, but he's not buried yet. You have to bury him. He said, the old man has been crucified with me, but you've got to bury him. You've got to get him out of the way. You've got to get him out of sight. 
He's got to go. You've got to bury him. Get him out of sight. Or if you bury him, you won't be able to find him. Listen, why is agreement so important? 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away, and behold, new things have come. So now, why is agreement so important? It tells you right there in that scripture. Why? So old things can pass away, and new things can come. The old thing has to go before the new thing can come. So in between the old thing passing away and the new thing coming, there's got to be cleansing. Because when you're attached to something old and dirty for so long, and you let go of it, then you, there's a season of cleansing. Now you've got to be washed with the Word. And once the Word washes you, then the new thing is attracted to what the Word washed. And it's the Father that brings the new thing. Jesus does not bring the new thing. Jesus said, ask the Father in my name, and he will do it for you. So what does Jesus do? He sanctifies. He's the one that's doing the sanctification work. He's the one that's separating you from the counterfeit relationships. He's the one that's separating you from your debt. He's the one that's separating you from everything that's in the way of sanctification, purity, so that the Father, he can send a new thing. And how hard it is for some people just to be alone for a little while. I'm telling you, you're going to have to be alone, and Jesus is going to have to be everything to you before he'll add anything to you. And I tell you, when you get there, you won't want anything, but you'll receive it just for the purpose of the covenant being established. You're covenant people. He's made a covenant with you. I will bless you. I will multiply you. You'll be a blessing. You'll inherit the earth. You'll have dominion. All these things. So we receive those things for the purpose of testimony, that we can give him the glory and the people that we give the testimony to that Satan would be defeated in their life. So reconcile means to establish friendship. Agreement removes hostility toward God and establishes friendship with God. So if you've got anger in you and you're hostile towards somebody, then it's towards God. It's not towards that person. The God that you're crying out, Lord, I love you. I thank you. I'm asking you for this and asking you for that. And then when somebody comes up to you and triggers something in you and, it's, and it comes out of the, like a frog coming out of the mud, springs forth, and you got anger, you got all these things coming out of you, your, your anger is towards God. Because if you love God, you'll love the people. There won't be any anger in you towards people. So reconcile means to reestablish a friendship that once existed. Now, who, who is the friendship with? God. Adam and God were friends. Agreement means removing the hostility towards God and establishing the friendship with God. So we cannot know the good and acceptable and perfect will of God until he becomes our friend. And he's not your friend if you're angry with him. If you've got anger and all this stuff in you, then a part of your life is not a friend to God. He is not your friend if you've got this anger in you. Anger is towards God. Hostility is towards God, not the people. God is just using the people to trigger what's in you that he wants out of you so that he can be your friend. James 2.23 says, Abraham was called the friend of God. He was the father of faith. James 4.4 says, adulterers, adulteresses, do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity, deep-seated hatred with God? Whoever therefore wants to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy to God. There it is. Now, the scripture is spiritual. So when he says adulteress and adulterers, what's he talking about? How do we commit spiritual adultery? What does adultery mean in the natural? It means 
trying to receive something that's not yours. So spiritual adultery is, is when you're trying to receive something that's not really yours because anger is there. Hostility is there with God. When you try to, re- try to receive something and you've got hostility towards God unbeknowingly because of the anger in you, you cannot receive what God has for you. You've got to become his friend. Anger and hate towards God is towards God and not people. So listen, when the Spirit, look at these two right here coming together, coming together, coming together. We're going on this, this next level here. When the spirit and soul come to a place of conformity to God's will and purpose, which is the word of God, this is a will and purpose, and anger and hate resurrect towards God and not your neighbor. When God is moving and there is a further coming together of the spirit and the soul, there's going to be some stuff happening around you because that unsanctified soul is attached to the world. And when the spirit moves, to start sanctifying the soul, it's going to start disrupting things around you. And you'll say, oh, my God, what did I do? No, it's the sanctifying work of Jesus. And if you'll just rest in the anointed one and be patient with him, he will remove everything out of your life that you created without him. But see, that anger, when you're on the threshold of change, that anger and fear are the primary spirits that launch themselves into view. And they launch themselves into view for opposition to what the demonic spirits are seeing is happening in the coming together of the bride and the bridegroom within us. So a friend of the world is being reconciled to the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eye, the pride of life. The Bible says we must lay aside these weights. This, this poor guy here is so weighted down, he's as close to the earth as he can get. Hebrews 12.1 says, Let us lay aside every weight and sin which so easily traps us and snares us, and let us run this race with endurance. So what he's saying in this verse, Hebrews 12.1, Lay aside the weights of lust. Lay aside the weights of pride. Lay aside the weight of sin, which is rebellion. That is its influence. And run the race with wholeness. This is the race we're running right here, the race to wholeness. It's a race set before us. Proverbs 15, 24 says, again, the way of life wins upward. So when you're in the trial, when God is exposing everything, life is upward. If you're looking up, you won't be looking at your circumstance because God is creating a circumstance around you that you cannot control so that he can remove something from you. And if you're looking up, you won't even know what's going on. Because the Bible says when you keep your eyes on Jesus, he will keep you in perfect peace. So in between life and hell is his work, not ours. In between a lost soul and a whole life, it's the work of Jesus. It's not our work. There will be battles, and the battle's not yours. But what is yours? The victory. And how do you get the victory? You speak it. The battle's his. He's warring the battle, but you're the one that has a sword. The sword is the word. If you'll just speak the word while you're in the battle, you will get the victory. The church is becoming more and more pure. And now when they speak the word, you realize how effective that's going to be when it comes out pure and undefiled? Because we defile the word. Word's not defiled. We defile the word by our flesh, contaminating the word as it comes out. Say, how do I know that I have taken his work into my own hands? That's a good question to ask yourself. Let's look at Philippians 2.13. It says, not in your own strength, for it is God who is all the while effectually at work in you, energizing, creating in you the power and the desire 
both to will and to work for his good pleasure and satisfaction and his delight. Now, that's a powerful thing. It's not your work. He says, it's my work. It's my energizing. It's my creating. It's my power that's working in you to create my good pleasure. He didn't say your pleasure. He said his good pleasure and his satisfaction. But look at the next verse. It says in Philippians 2.14, Now do all things without grumbling, fault-finding, complaining against God. It didn't say against your neighbors, did it? It says against God and questioning and doubting among yourselves. <laughs> Let's define things again. Second Corinthians said what? Old things are passing away. New things are coming. So the things of the world that are passing away are what? Lust of the eye, lust of the flesh, pride of life. When God begins to expose you or expose the enemy of your soul through the creative power in you to do his will, that's when we start complaining. That's when we start grumbling and fault-finding with each other. And it's not with each other. It's against God. It says you're doing it against me. You're complaining against me. You're fault-finding against me. So the one who is trying to bring the new thing into your life is the one you're complaining against. Are we getting this? So when I start finding fault in my brother or sister, when I start complaining about my brother that she did this or he did that and I didn't like the way she did this and this and this and that, I am complaining against God who has got his hands right here with everything I need. But I'm, I can't even see him because I'm so blinded by the complaining. So God is working in you to do what? Display you. He wants to display you. Revelations twenty-two seventeen, the Holy Spirit and the bride, the church, the true Christians. Notice that's the bride, the church and true Christians, it says. The church, the true Christians say, come and let everyone come who is thirsty, who is painfully conscious of his need of those things by which the soul is refreshed, supported, strengthened. And whoever earnestly desires to do it, let him come Take appropriate and drink the water of life without cost. Where's the water of life? That's the Father's good pleasure right there. When Jesus is flowing out of the four rivers of your soul, out of your spirit, through your soul. But look what that word says. It says, let everyone come who is thirsty. Don't you know the church is thirsty right now? And who is painfully conscious of his need of those things by which the soul needs to be refreshed. Notice he didn't say the spirit in this verse. He said the soul needs to be refreshed, supported, and strengthened. But what's going to refresh the soul man? What's going, to, what's going to refresh him? The rivers of life coming out of you. If we just get this, everybody we come in contact with, we're going to drown them, refresh them, have everything that they need because God has blessed you so much that you just stored it up to give. And what keeps those rivers flowing? Giving. This river can stop when you stop giving. So you see how the spirit and soul is one again. It started out as being one. God separated them for the purpose of sanctification. And as you grow, this is what it looks like. You're becoming one with the bridegroom, who is Jesus, and your spirit, and the bride, which is you. The garden is completely restored. 